Here's a story from the early 1800s. We're told as early as the year 1805, one Jacob Sist conceived the idea of manufacturing a mineral black for printer's ink, leather lacquer, blacking, and so forth, from coal, and the results of his experiments were secured to him by patent in the year 1808. In regard to his discovery, Chief Justice Gibson wrote the following letter to Thomas Cooper, who published it in the Emporium of Arts and Sciences, Volume 2. Wilkes-Barre, February 23, 1814. Dear Sir, I send you a likeness of one of your friends. There is nothing remarkable in it, except that it is done with the stone coal of this place, Wilkes-Barre, instead of India ink. It is prepared for use by rubbing a bit of it on a fine hard stone in gum water, just thick enough to hold the particles in suspension. It is then laid on in the usual way with a camel hair pencil. By a comparison with a drawing in India ink, you will, I doubt not, give the preference to the coal, as it will be found free from a brownish cast, always perceivable in the former. The harshness observable in the enclosed drawing arises from the extreme badness of the pencil I was obliged to use, and not from the quality of the ink. The coal is found to be superior to lamp or ivory black for paint, printer's ink, and blacking leather. It also makes the best writing ink for records that has yet been discovered. The color is deeper and is not in the least affected by the oxymuriatic acid or any other chemical agent and must remain unaltered by time. The application of coal to these purposes was discovered by Jacob Sist of Wilkesbury. He has obtained a patent. Very sincerely, your friend, John B. Gibson. That from the Proceedings and Collections of the Wyoming Historical and Geological Society, 1885. The Wyoming Historical and Geological Society is now known as the Luzerne County Historical Society, and there will be a grand celebration of Jacob Sist and the reopening of the Society's Museum after the COVID shutdown. We had a visit from Sherry Emershaw, Vice President of the Board of Directors, and Adam Thallenfeld, who is also on the board, to tell us about Jacob Sist and to invite us to attend that gallery premiere Friday, September 16th at the Museum 49 South Franklin Street in Wilkes-Barre. I consider him a Ben Franklin. He was curious about everything. Mm -hmm. He did his own experiments. Like Franklin, he was an inventor. He has his own fossils named after him. So not only from a standpoint of just an interest, but he took a scientific approach Mm -hmm. to all of this. And so from an educated standpoint, he knew what he was talking about. Businessman, entrepreneur, writer, poet, investor, postmaster general. (laughs) His interests were painting, drawing, writing, geography, mineralogy, architecture, entomology, a study of fauna and flora. Was he born here, Adam? He's not. He's from Philadelphia, but he moved here at a pretty young age Mm -hmm. when he was appointed the postmaster and then moved to Wilkes-Barre, where at that time, Wilkes-Barre was the only post office, and he was pretty much solely responsible for building out Pittston, Dallas, a couple of other, I don't know the regional post office system. Most of those grand buildings are because of his doing. Besides being someone who helped expand the mail delivery in the region and also was able to service the region with the store with his father-in-law and things like that and the research that he did, what's important about him for us? 
He is best known for his interest in marketing coal, the early anthracite industry. And of course, we all know how valuable that was to this area. It put us on the map. So his interest in coal began early. His father was Charles Sist, and his uncle was Jacob Weiss. And they had leases with the Lehigh Coal Company located near Mock Chunk. They were investors there. So I think Jacob, from a very early age, he listened to a lot of conversation. He was privy to a lot of information. And uh, marrying into the local elite, Matthias Hollenbach, had a lot to do with it, too, because Matthias Hollenbach was one of the wealthiest men at the time of Wyoming Valley. Large landowner, much of his land was coal fields. So he was in a very key position, and he, he knew from Philadelphia, a lot of the elite in Philadelphia, because Philadelphia was your biggest port, and he was determined to get that coal to the Philadelphia port. Now, how they shipped coal early on was through horse teams over the mountains, 135 miles. It took a long time. It was grueling. There was very little roads. So how do you get it quicker? Well, an arc. It's a low, flat bottom boat. It's about four feet deep. 15, 20 feet wide, and of course, it could be up to 100 feet long, and they were manned by oarsmen. So they would be able to ship a commodity such as grain from Wyoming Valley, lumber from Wyoming Valley, and coal. So this was the first act of trying to speed up the process to get it to Philadelphia. And his father failed, and his uncle failed at that business, but a little bit down the future, he takes up the leases. And what happens? The War of 1812. That was the big one, the War of 1812. They blockaded the Chesapeake Bay. They blockaded the Delaware River. So we're not getting any coal. And of course, you got an industrial complex now coming up because of the war. So Jacob decides to take advantage of new leases. And unfortunately, calculating the loads for these arcs, and I said the other problems they had, poor oarsmanship, or if the water table was low, some crashed on rocks. He wasn't getting it to market. So by the time he figured out a better way to calculate the weight and some luck with the water tables and the oarsmen, the war was over. The war was over. And he lost a lot of money in that venture, a lot of money. But to the day he died, he never ceased trying to get that coal to market. And I read a little thing about his one daughter, because he had five daughters, and she wrote about him. And it was such a touching little thing I read. She remembers seeing her dad in his study at the house, and she said, uh, Father, what are you doing? And he was always surrounded by his books. And he goes, well, my child, I am devising a way for the railroad to ship coal over the mountains. So until he died in 1823, this was like 1822 that she remembers that, he never ceased trying to get coal to market. And there is a quote, because you're wondering, well, why did he care about coal? He studied it. He mapped it. He visited the mines. But I found this quote, and I thought was very interesting. And here's how he was described. Young, ambitious, and a clever entrepreneur who devoted his energies to the fostering of the Pennsylvania anthracite trade in order to supply the city of Philadelphia with fuel at a handsome profit. (laughs) So there you go. He was an entrepreneur. He was a pure capitalist. He not only saw the need to help and benefit where he lived, the community, but he could make himself and a lot of people money. Tell (laughs) us what you're inviting us to do. Yeah, so it's going to be a really exciting opening. So this will be the first opening exhibit at the museum since COVID. So we're really excited to have a grand opening back into the museum and welcome the public back in. So it's from four to seven o'clock on Friday, September 16th. We're doing a ribbon cutting ceremony with the Greater Chamber of Luzerne County. So they'll be there helping us celebrate. And not only will the Jacob Sist exhibit be be open and available, we also have more than two permanent exhibits that people will be able to walk through. So the whole museum will be open. We have an exhibit on women's suffrage. We have 
our Native American exhibit. We also have some artifacts from the Wilkes-Barre, USS, USS Wilkes- Wilkes-Barre, Wilkes-Barre mm-hmm. from World War II. We have the Mr. Peanut sculpture. So there's a lot of uh, other smaller artifacts that are kind of hidden around the museum that we're excited to get everyone to come in and see again as well. And give us the website, if you would. So it's luzernhistory.org. We have a Facebook. We'll be having an event on that Facebook page. And then we also are offering, the same night as the opening, we're offering tours. So private tours with Sherry, private tours with our other board members who know all about Jacob Sist and the rest of the museum. Our curator, Mark Rossetti, as well, will be offering tours. So we'll be having tours available for groups or individuals or families who really want to get into the nitty gritty about Jacob Sist and learn Mm -hmm. how much there is to learn about him. And one of the uh, features of our collection that I would like to mention is a self-portrait of him. He did watercolor, he did charcoal, he did pen and ink drawings. But this is his self-portrait. And as I had said before, I truly believe his whole heart was as an artist, because when you look at this portrait of him, he's looking out to you. And behind him are his books, his library, but he's holding his painter's brush and his painter's palette. So I think he, he was truly an artist. And he was able to, all of his skills, his knowledge, a lot of it he was able to bring forth through art. Sherry Emershaw, Vice President of the Board of Directors of the Luzerne County Historical Society and board member Adam Thallenfeld, talking with us about Jacob Sist and the opening of the Jacob Sist exhibition at the Luzerne County Historical Society Museum, 49 South Franklin Street in Wilkes-Barre, on Friday, September 16th from 4 to 7 p.m., It is not just a celebration of Jacob Sist, but also of the reopening of the museum to the public after the COVID lockdown. If you'd like more information, the website luzernhistory.org, luzernhistory.org. The opening of the new Jacob Sist exhibition at the Luzerne County Historical Society with associated exhibits as well, Friday, September 16th, from 4 to 7 p.m. at the Luzerne County Historical Society Museum, 49 South Franklin Street in downtown Wilkes-Barre. For more information, luzernehistory.org. <laughs>